Hello, everyone. As we enter the last chapter of First John, chapter 5, would you pray with me, please? Father, again, we thank you for this black and white letter that really emphatically shows us what God's love is and what it looks like in our life and the cost that it, that it took, how expensive this love that we have the opportunity to live in. And that's why John last week, this is love. Not that we love God first, but that he loved us first by giving his one and only son to be an atoning sacrifice. Father, may we really not just look at the epistles of John and just kind of fluff them off. But John knew what he was talking about. He experienced this kind of love. And he does not want Christians to miss it. And unfortunately, so many Christians are missing it. There's so many Christians who are scripturally ignorant. They haven't taken this verse by verse, line by line, word for word, and heard John's heart. So under the power of your Holy Spirit, as we go into this last chapter, the first epistle of John, Father, may we really come with open hearts and minds and ears, and may our little S spirit really connect with your Holy Spirit. May we hear what John wants us to hear, because he doesn't want us to miss the love of God, how rich and pure how measureless and strong. Father, we don't want to miss it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, chapter five. Everyone. Now, I'm one that is, as I study God's word, I'm starting to really look at the absolutes and looking at all-inclusives and... and um, I think that's why I am more of a black and white person when it comes to studying God's word because either God said it or he didn't. And, and when you read these all-inclusive words like everyone and for God so loved the world that he gave out whosoever, I mean, you, can, you can't help but see that he loves this world. And we talked about last week about what the world is. It's... It's just that attitude of, I can do it. It's basically, I can do it. And so we want to go into this chapter and we want to see that, that God is saying, I want you in a right relationship with me so we can walk through this world together but that you will listen to my voice rather than the viewpoints of the world because it will take you, whether you're listening to the world's viewpoint or whether God's viewpoint, it's going to take you in absolutely two extraordinarily different directions. I can't say that enough. And that's why you can't be walking down the middle of the road because there are only two roads and one is going away from God and one is going closer to him. And we have to constantly be making the choice. But John, make sure that we know that we have got all we need. We've got all we need 
to walk in that step-by-step relationship. We have to commit to his word. We've got to be wanting to listen to God's voice instead of our own. And I know that's not easy. But you're going you're gonna to see something in this lesson. You're going to see something. It's not, even, it's not even hard. It's not even difficult to want to hear his voice. When you're in the right relationship, you're not, you want to hear his voice. You want to hear his direction. You want to obey his commands. You know they're going to lead you to the right place. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. John loves relating the Trinity to us. He talks about God the Father who came up with the wonderful redemptive plan. And he loves talking about Jesus the one who went to the cross and shed his blood, he never gets sick of hearing that story. And you and I should never either. And he loves talking about the spirit who makes us sure, gives us blessed assurance that his words are truth. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the promised one, he is the Savior. And if you've come to that realization, you've been born of God. You will experience the Father's plan, you will experience Jesus because of his salvation through his blood, and you will experience the Holy Spirit keeping you on the right road. This is how we know that we love the children of God. This is how we know that we love the children of God. The children of God. That's loving, loving each other. And you love, remember we talked about that last week, that real love. We can't possibly love the children of God the way that God loves until we have had that personal encounter with God ourselves, And we have gotten a handle on what God's love really means and what it cost him. For you and I to have what we have. And once we've gotten a handle on that, then he says, then you can start loving the children of God the way we're supposed to. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Whoever said this isn't hard work is blowing smoke in your face because if you, that's why you have to desire it. Someone asked me once, how do you have such a right walk with the Lord? How, how do you stay in that right relationship? And my response is, first, I make sure that I desire it. I want it. I want it bad because then I'll work at it. See, you're not going to put in the work that it takes if you are not sure that you have a desire if you don't really want to change and become Christ-like, 
If it really doesn't matter to you that you're living out the fruit of his spirit, if it really doesn't matter that you're not loving people with that real love of God, then you love them good enough. But if you, if you really have a desire to do what God says, and in my book, he deserves it. I mean, you and I would be lost. We would still, we would have no hope for a future. We would have no purpose to get up in the morning. We would have no worth to look in the mirror at ourselves. But because of what God was willing to do, we can get up with purpose. We can look at ourselves in the mirror and know how much we are loved by God and that in turn then helps us love ourselves and love others. And we can live with blessed assurance because Jesus is mine. I have a future. And that I'm sure about my future and that will help me with dealing with my today when it comes up with all surprises and questions. And instead of running into fear and doubt and why, Lord, you start realizing that you're in the middle of his perfect will. And he wants to use you and I for his purpose because that's why we were created. And when we're willing to surrender our lives to him and let him use us the way he intended, that's when we are in that right walk with him. Do you know, have you ever thought about what did Jesus, what does Jesus' love look like? What, what does it mean that he loved you and we know the cross and he went through the suffering and the pain? Let me just, I wrote a few words down. Jesus loves me. He chose me to be his own. He redeemed me. He bought me back. He calls me by name. I am his. He pardoned every one of my sins. And he, by his love, takes me into a relationship with him that is pretty much not even worthy of words. I don't even know how to put it into words. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Are you changed? Are you different than you used to be? Do you love different than you used to love? Are you in his word, knowing it's the only book written with complete truth? Are you, are you desiring God's viewpoint? Do you want to know God's viewpoint? Or would you much rather listen to the viewpoint of the world? And only you can answer that. But he's saying, if you really want to be changed and you want his love radiating through you and working through you and, and affecting people that he puts in your path, do you desire to have his love working in you because you know that it's only his love working through you that can bring a lost soul into repentance? Does that, do you have that kind of desire 
So when he says, this is how we know that we love the children of God, that we put ourselves behind, that we put others first, that we become selfless instead of selfish, that we dare move contrary to what our own natural desires want, but we want to listen to his voice and we want to walk down his path. Do we love God enough to let him change us? Do we desire to know him so well that we want to carry out his commands? Or are we still caught up in what people think? This is love for God. This, John is kind of winding up this, first, this, this letter that his second and third epistle are to individuals, and we'll see that next week. But, but he is wrapping up to this message to the church, to you and I, and he doesn't want us to miss this, and so he'll repeat, he'll repeat, he'll repeat. This is, this is, this is love for God. You can tell that you love God when you want to obey his commands. And believe me, there are many. In fact, I think every once in a while you should go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and listen to Jesus' teaching and how we are to live. That Sermon on the Mount, it's all compiled. I mean, you want three chapters all together that pretty much says Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to live. And he's saying right there, you, you can tell that you love God when you want to live the way he wants you to live. And you're willing to obey his commands. And then look at this line. This is what I was getting at a little while ago. And his commands. And how many think that his commands? Oh, it's so hard. Look what he says. And his commands aren't a burdensome. They aren't heavy. They're not hard. I think the reason why God's commands are so hard sometimes is because down deep we really don't want to do them. Down deep we would still rather do what we want to do. But if you're in that right relationship, and I can't stress that enough, you want, you have a desire to want to walk in his ways. You want to you wanna listen to his commands. You want to learn what he, how he says we are to live. It's not burdensome. It should be something you can't wait to go in and find. How can I live better for him today? What more can I do that will put a smile on his face today? How can I put myself aside today? And really listen to his voice and see that I can have such a different kind of day. It's not burdensome. It's not burdensome to, to love God and then to let his love love others. No matter what their so-called church nomination is or what their social or financial status is or 
what their race is or their political view or their theological view. All we should care about is living out the love of God. And I dare say that people are one to Christ out of the love of God working through us than than in any other way. The love of God working through us is so winsome. And like I said, that's all we're responsible for. We're not, we're not out to change people's minds and their political views, theological views, their social or financial. They're nothing. This is such a message for today. If we just live this out. And what was Jesus in John 17? What was Jesus' main goal for the believers? That, that we would get along. That we could be a testimony to the world that we could demonstrate and show what real love is. And he says, when you're living right, it's not hard. Obeying his commands are not hard. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're born once of water, but then you're born the second time of the Spirit. And everyone who is born again is born again through the Spirit of God working, showing your need of a Savior. And then the Holy Spirit now indwells you. You now can overcome the world's viewpoint. You've been given a greater power that we saw last week. Greater is that power of God's spirit living in us than any spirit that is living in the world. And don't you, don't you just love the word overcome? Overcome. Jesus has overcome sin. You and I, through Jesus, can overcome the world and its viewpoints. This is the victory It's another great word, isn't it? This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The victory of what Jesus has done has overcome the world, and then we in turn can be that kind of testimony and demonstration of that love to others. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who can overcome this world? Who can overcome self? Who can overcome the devil? Only he or she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember last week? Son of God and Son of Man. He had to be both to be able to fulfill the purpose, to buy us back, to redeem us. And as John wraps up this, he again goes to the beginning. This is the one who came. Just in case you've missed it or you need to be reminded again, because he is not sick of telling us, and we should never, ever be sick of telling others 
We should never be bored with this story. This is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. This is the one who came. He came through a normal human birth. He left heaven. He came through a normal human birth. And blood. The blood he shed at Calvary. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood, both. Now sometimes, you know, if you, you, if you want to look at this and say water and blood, you can look at the water as being, you know, the physical birth of, of that, or you could also look at when Jesus was willing to be baptized. He demonstrated, even though he had never sinned, he, was, he demonstrated the meaning of baptism that baptism is that he came to this earth to cleanse us. To cleanse us from all of our sins. When he walked into that water, he, he demonstrated how we too, we are lost in our sins and we can come up because of the resurrection of Christ. We can come up because of the blood and the resurrection of Christ. We are now new. New life. And it is the Spirit who testifies. See, that's why John loves talking about the Trinity because every facet of the Godhead has such a special meaning for us. And I repeat, the Father initiated the plan. Jesus fulfilled the plan. The Holy Spirit keeps the plan working alive in our lives. Keeps reminding us of the cost that we could be bought back. It is that spirit that keeps testifying to us. Remember, remember what he did for you. So when we're tempted to live out in our own selfishness or when, when we're tempted to, to say or do something that we know is contrary to God's commands, but yet it just we just can't help what we say. We're wrong. Because we can help it. We've got God's word and his spirit that will testify what we have learned and what we know. And the spirit will always, Jesus said it, and John recorded it in his gospel, Jesus always says that his spirit is truth. If we want to hear the Holy Spirit, we can count on that spirit telling us the truth. And that's why, like last week, we've got to make sure it's the Holy Spirit we're listening to. And he speaks through God's words. Because it's so easy to listen to the different spirits that, that say what our aging ears want to hear. For there are three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. So John is saying that these three, the spirit, the water, and the blood, they all agree, they all testify to what Jesus' sacrifice did. If you want to also say that there are three that testify, I'd say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I love looking at it both ways. There's something to scripture. The more you study, the more you see, the more truth that's there. We accept man's testimony. 
And we do. We happen. We do accept when man testifies, when they tell their story, when they, when they give their testimony. We have a tendency to believe. We accept man's testimony. But, but look, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Why, why would you accept and listen to everybody else's um, opinions and different ways of looking at it in different religions when God's word tells us that God, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are testifying truth to us? Why would we want to listen to any other, other opinion? This is the one that we can count on being right and true. And all three persons of the Trinity are working that same truth through us. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Again, you can't help but see the Trinity. The Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus. We believe that Jesus, being the Son of God, fulfilled the plan, we now have that testimony within our heart. And how do we how do we remember and how do we understand and get deeper and deeper into that? Because of the spirit that lives in our heart will take that testimony and make it more and more real to us. Anyone? Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. Anyone who does not believe that Jesus and the testimony of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you do not believe it in your heart, has made God out to be a liar. Maybe if we, maybe John is saying, maybe if I put it this way to you, maybe you'll sit up and take notice that if you're just trying to play both sides of the fence and you're trying to take this Jesus thing just down the middle and you don't want to be fully committed because you, you don't want to be over the top and you don't want people to think you're a nutcase and all that kind of thing. Anyone who does not believe, you're calling God a liar. Now that ought to put chills up your spine because who in the world would dare call God a liar? Then you don't believe that his word said that he sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for you and I? Oh, we must have lied there. Oh, I don't want to take it that far. I don't want to get too much into this. And if you don't believe, you will perish. No, I don't want to hear that. No, no, that's not, that's not true. Oh, but it is true. And if you don't want it, you can't just pick and choose which part you want. God's word is truth. And if you are not willing to comply to his commands, you're calling the liar. If you don't want to accept the one and only person that can, can change your life and give you a hope of a future and eternity forevermore with him, if you're going around second guessing, well, I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't know if, I, if I'm really going to heaven. I don't know. When it's right there, you can live in that assurance because he says you and I can live in that assurance. Uh, 
Oh, guess he really didn't mean that. Guess he's a liar. Oh, on the cross, he didn't take care of all my sins. Oh, but guess he's a liar. You know, maybe if we look at it like this, if we don't accept his word as truth, then I guess he's a liar. Because how many times do you hear, and this is what the Lord says, or Jesus said. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. John is again going to put it in this little package so that you cannot miss it. You cannot miss it. You might want to miss it, but see, that's your choice. But he made it so understandable that you can't miss it. This is his testimony. This is the story of the gospel. This is what Jesus came for. God has given you and I eternal life. If that's not grace, I don't know what is because we didn't deserve it. God's testimony is that he's given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. You have life. You have life abundant here. How many times don't you hear me say, oh, this is such a great way to live? Because it is. To wake up every morning knowing, absolutely knowing, no second guessing, that there isn't anyone or anything that can separate you from God's love today. You might not have a real good day. Maybe there's going to be a lot of surprises and a lot of obstacles, a lot of crises or whatever. But the Holy Spirit, if you're willing, will take you back to what you said when you were getting up in the morning. Nothing can separate me from God's love today. This is the testimony. He wants us to know that we can have eternal life. What a gift. And the gift is through his Son. And then John puts it very blunt. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You're going to miss that peace and that joy and that, and that love that we talked about last week. You're going to miss knowing what that perfect love looks like and feels like through you. You're going to miss that confidence of knowing that your future is already planned and in motion. You're going to miss living in that. Let me just read that verse again. He, you or your eye, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Who wants to miss that? You know, he has given us his promises. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us 
and the inner confirmation through that Holy Spirit. That's such a good way to start your day. John concludes with, I write these things to you. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. See, do you notice how, how it's not believing this and this and this and in Jesus and then this and this and this? It's not complicated. He's saying, okay, I'm, I'm winding up this letter to you, the church, and I, I want you to know that my heart's desire, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I've said this a bazillion times. The more you're sure of your eternal life, the more it helps you with your today. The more sure you are about your eternal life, the more it helps you with today. He wants us to know that singing Fanny Crosby's song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Blessed Assurance, all is at rest. I and my Savior are happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Just lost in His love. That's the way He wants you and I getting up in the morning with that kind of assurance that we know. This is, he, here, we used this word last week and he's using it this week too. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. We can go to God. Can you imagine we humans, sinful human beings, can go into God's presence. We can approach God and again, only, only because he looks at us through the blood of his son. Because you see, he can't look at sin. God the Father cannot and will not look at sin. And the only way that he can look at us as we approach him is through the blood of his son. And then he sees us pure and holy and whiter than snow and sinless. See, that's why John says, if we really love God, because we've really gotten a handle on how much he loves us, you just don't want to sin. And again, I reiterate, we've got every tool to keep us from sinning. We've been given a power within us that is greater than the one in the world. We've been, given, we've been given a power that can resist any temptation if we go to that power for our way of escape. So what causes us to sin so quickly? It's when we step out of that power and think we've got our own. And that our own power is sufficient. And self gets in the way. And that's when we fall. That's when, we, that's when temptation overtakes us. We have no one to blame when we sin. We have no one to blame but ourselves. And no one's ever going to convince me that we can't help it. 
Not from what I've heard, even in this epistle alone, let alone the rest of God's word. He does not want his children sinning. And he's given us every tool necessary. But we've got to take a look at our old nature. And when it rises up, we can only blame that nature. We can only blame ourselves. Because he said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Don't you, don't you remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus said that a couple of times. Ask anything in my name, and I will see to it that you have it. See, when you're walking in a right relationship with Jesus, when you are working at keeping that right relationship going, when you're doing the work, when you're in his word, when you're complying to the spirit, when you're surrendering self, that means you want what he wants. And that's why whatever we ask, we're really asking, Lord, whatever, we believe you're perfect. We believe that your best is the best for us. That's why John, again, with all confidence, says that he not only will hear what we ask, but he'll fulfill. Because what we ask is his will. We should want nothing but his will. I think that our prayers could change so much. I mean, he loves it when we cry out to him. He loves it when we, when we pour out our heart to him. But the bottom line of our prayers, our bottom line should be, I only want what you want. Because I know you love me and want the best for me. And I know sometimes to make me learn and mature and grow, you need to cause things to wake me up, to get my attention. When we're praying for loved ones, I know our tendency is to always want to pray that, that we get what we want, what they want. But, but don't you think John is trying to tell us that our prayers should just, I want what you want, Lord. I want your perfect will. I might not always like it. I might not always understand it. But because I know you love me, and because now I'm starting to understand that kind of love, I'm entrusting my life and my loved ones and my prayer requests to you. May your perfect will be my top priority. I want what you want. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin, if anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. Now, now, these next couple of verses can be a little confusing, and I'm not saying that I have the all authority against her on it. 
Maybe you can ponder on them yourself and see what the Spirit teaches you. But I think basically John is saying, if you see, if you see a brother, if you see a brother that's committing a sin, the first thing you should do is what? Pray for him. Pray for him that he will see the light, the light of God, and then find life. That he will see his ways, that he will see, that he will allow God through his spirit to kind of wake him up and bring him back to the right track. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. What does that mean, a sin that does not lead to death? It kind of goes into it a little more. I refer to those who sin. I refer to those who sin does not lead to death. Some sin leads to death. Now first I thought, could, it, could we be talking about the sin against the Holy Spirit, which then is rejection of a Savior, which then leads to eternal death? And it could mean that, except that John says, if anyone sees his brother. So unless he's using the word brother loosely, and just means anybody, then it could mean that their sin, their rejection of Christ, will lead to eternal death. And there isn't anything anybody can do about that. Those are the terms God set up. But if it means that we're talking about a Christian brother who has just who has fallen astray, There's, a, there's a, some verses in Corinthians where the Corinth people were misusing the Lord's Supper. They were gouging. They were getting drunk. They were, they were using it as a banquet meal. And, and because of that, many it says there, many became weak and then some even died. What about Ananias and Sapphira? We know that they were good church people. They were a part of the new church. But how many of us were, were, were good people? I mean, we love the Lord. We're Christians. We follow Christ. But sometimes self gets in the way. And we follow our own selfish ambition like Ananias and Sapphira, greed and don't tell me you've never fallen into self-ways. And I know you're a good Christian. So it could be that John is kind of waking us up to see that sometimes there's sin that God wants us to, he wants to take his children out of there. And maybe it will make a big impact on the people because it said when Ananias and Sapphira were, when they died, it woke up the church. That God means business when it comes to sin. I'm sure in the people of Corinth, they woke up when they saw how when you misuse the Lord's Supper, that's serious to God. 
So maybe it could mean that, that sometimes the Lord is out to make, and the Lord has a plan through their death. Either to get them out of here, because they're only going to get worse, and, to, and that's grace, get them out of here, or to really make an impact on those who are watching. That he means business. See, John is kind of leaving that up to God, God's plan. You do what you want, God. But when it comes to my responsibility, if I see someone sinning, if I see a brother who's sinning, instead of going after with all my claws, maybe I should pray. Just pray. And allow you and your power and your spirit to work and bring them back to life. Verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. And you and I can be pretty grateful that not all sin leads to death. But it does make us a little more mindful than unrepentant sin. I mean, we're going to see that at judgment. We're going to see that the, those who took this sin way too lightly, if our sins are not bought and paid for under the blood of Christ, we will stand before him as judge. And he then has the power to throw us into hell. But I'm going to throw it back the way John did. But when you have overcome your own self and you've gone to the cross and you've watched Jesus take your sin and put it under his blood. That's why last week he said we don't even have to fear judgment. But I think he, he wants us to see the severity of sin and that we can't just flippantly think that, oh, it's just a little one or whatever. Sin is sin in the Lord's eyes, and he wants it dealt with. If it isn't dealt with at the cross, it will be dealt with at judgment. I'll tell you, part of my abundant life is knowing that all of that is settled in cement. The cross worked for me. The blood was sufficient. And I stand in awe of the confidence that I have because of what that cross means to me. It's given me that assurance. But for those who are playing around with sin, I think this is what he is trying to say here. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. That shouldn't be our desire anymore. The one who was, who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. The Holy Spirit's power is greater than the power that's in the world. And the evil one cannot harm him. Now, that not, doesn't necessarily mean that we won't ever be in an accident. Or See, as much as the Lord loves us and cares about us, he is not so concerned with our exterior 
the temporary shell. We can, we can have the confidence to know that because of the Holy Spirit and the cross, the Holy Spirit will continuously remind us that the cross keeps the enemy from being able to take over our soul. The soul that will live forever. That's why you and I can sing it as well with my soul. Isn't it something we can know that? He goes in verse 19. We know also that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The sinful humanity and those who resist God and his son, they're under the control of the evil one. But you, but you and I, we're not. Hallelujah. We, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. The Son of God has come. Not only did he come to fulfill his purpose for our redemption, but he's also come in the form of his Spirit to keep us understanding and knowing him more and more so that we can know him who is true. See, it's never ending. That's why even though even though things are happening and we can maybe come together, and I hope we can again sometime, but I'll make the most of any opportunity that we're given so we can make sure that we're grounded in God's word, that we stay faithful in studying so that we can learn and know him better. That's such a good verse. Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. That's, I want to be real. I don't want to be fake. And we are in him who is true. He's true. So because he now lives in us, we can be true. I want to be true. I don't want to be fake. I can't say that enough because that is so important to me. I don't want somebody at all to ever think that I don't live what I say or that I might say one thing and then another day of the week I'm, I'm living to myself. I want 100%. I'm striving a goal. I'm working at it. The more we work at the more we see. It's not burdensome. It's exciting to get to know more and more. Because the more I'm knowing him, I'm finding that relationships are better. My love for difficult people is better. He is true. He is the true God and eternal life. We are in him who is true. So we are in him who is true. And in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. And to think he can live in us and we can live in him, that we can have that relationship. Do you desire that relationship? Are you working at that relationship? Or as John insists, he, it's kind of unusual, but yet it's not. 
because it pretty much follows the theme of what he's trying to get across. And that, are you real? Are you living in the real kind of God's love, not the superficial love? Do you really understand what it took? His one and only son. Dear children, he closes, keep yourselves from idols. And an idol is anything, anything, or anyone that's keeping you from having the kind of relationship that he wants you to have with him. Is there someone or something that's pulling you away from study time? Is there, is there other, some other desires that you think you want to achieve and be? And are, you, are you getting caught in the world's viewpoint and, and that is obsessing you? Any of that is an idol. Anything that takes a priority away from him. It fits right into the real theme of living in a right relationship. John is just kind of ending abruptly by saying, do you have an idol? Is there someone or something that's keeping you from this kind of relationship? and experiencing life abundant. And more importantly, living out this kind of love to a world that so desperately needs to see that kind of love and be drawn to it so they in turn can know Jesus the way you and I do. Father, thank you for letting John understand this so clearly so we could write it so emphatically and so clearly himself. As he understood it, he wrote it down so we could understand the severity. Father, we want all what you've got for us, and we don't want to miss it. Father, may we keep going over this. May we keep studying. May we Keep going over how you want us to live through the Sermon on the Mount. May we really more and more get to know how much you love us and you demonstrated it by giving us Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, we just pray that we hear your voice, that we desire to hear your voice. Father, this is a great way to live and you gave it all to us. You want us to live in this. And we're the ones that stop it by our own selfishness. So we come to you with repentance. We know you will forgive all of us who come in repentance. And may we have a change of heart that we desire to know you more than anything. That we desire to to be in that and we're willing to work at that relationship. And Lord, we know we will stand in front of you someday and we won't be able to say thank you enough for all what you've done and given. But until that day, Lord, may our lives prove it by letting that love come out of us. And we pray this all in our Savior's name. Amen.